Hello and welcome to another episode of Miked, the official podcast of St. Michael Catholic Church, Gastonia, North Carolina. I am Shane Page, the Director of Evangelization here and your host, and I am joined once again by the sanguine Father, Father <laughs> Rossi. <laughs> Every time you say an answer, I laugh. How many nouns can we come up with? But with Father Rossi, we're here, and uh, it's it's a Wednesday in ordinary time. It is. But it's no ordinary Wednesday. It is not. It's no ordinary week in the life of the parish. It is not. It is extraordinary in many ways. Let's talk about a little bit about what is extraordinary. Of course, today being uh, Wednesday, first day, parish school. Parish school open. We are open, and... It, it's we, firing on all cylinders. Oh, yeah, it is. Thanks be to Jesus. We've got a great staff, great principal, great teachers, lots of new teachers, too, actually. You know, um, everybody's just jumping in full on. And it's very humbling because you realize just how many people it takes to run a parish school well. You know, I mean, it's just my parish staff, the school staff, everybody working together. Um, it's just a. It's a it's a humbling and amazing thing, you know. In my now my fifth year here, and just this year is is extraordinary. It's a it's a year of new beginnings is kind of my theme mm-hmm. with everyone in the school this year. Just teachers saying this is there's a lot of new faces, lots of new families, both at the parish and the school. I don't know. I'm just estimating here maybe 40 new families. Um, you know, student wise, we jumped from 127. Uh, to again, I think 164, 165. Uh, so it's humbling, you know. These people are entrusting their children to us to educate them in the faith, and uh, it's uh, it's kind of like I don't know. I'm a spiritual father, so I f- I sense in a, a way that when the school year starts, that I feel you know like I have lots of new spiritual. I do have new spiritual children, so there's kind of that. Mm. That's probably you know one of the moments in my priesthood where you know you experience the the trepidation of fatherhood. Like wow, this is uh, you know a father sees his child born. It's like oh, I have another child to take care. Of. I was like oh, I have 165 children to take care of. All the you know so it's it's really great. And then plus all the other children that are just in the parish too, and our homeschool families. They're all starting back up. Uh, some of them have already started as well. So yeah, it's been a an exciting day they're you know almost uh, let's see here I got about an hour and a half left to the first mm-hmm. day but lots of happy kids running around outside and um, classrooms are full you know so uh, and it's just the building comes alive the parish comes alive when you hear all the little ones moving about the building and going into church and um, it's great yeah you had mentioned something about um what was it last week or a couple of weeks ago that you're looking at all the things that are happening and I really want to get into the, like sure. this is a revolutionary week to use your uh, yeah. your language that you, you kind of feel out of control like things are happening all around you and you're just like wow this is this is happening and I didn't manufacture any of this yes it is just the work of the Holy Spirit um, in the life of the parish and you know as a former leader of a community of people I, I know what that feels like and um, it's a wonderful thing yes um, very I mean yes it's a kind of a revolutionary year uh, for us at the school with the you know large enrollment um, also just new teachers uh, on board with us just lots of different events happened over the summer that created you know the need for a few new teachers and then the way we received our new teachers uh, you know <laughs> The fourth grade teacher, um, just, you know, had just another opportunity in life, and, and we lost her um, 
you know, in early August, so we were crunch time, you know, and so literally the day of open house, we had a, a really strong candidate come in, and he's, uh, there he goes. He's in the classroom within a couple hours for open house. Oh, my goodness. Starting, you know, on Monday afternoon and said, okay, well, here's your wow. classroom, and we uh, we have the families coming, and he was just absolutely ready to just get at it. So uh, got a support teacher with him as well, getting him acclimated. So a couple new faces in the classrooms this year with teachers. Uh, lots of new families, as I said, families who have you know moved here from other states um, to come to St. Michael, to come to our school, to put their children in an environment where we have the classical liberal arts education curriculum un, un, uh, unfolding and really flourishing. This year we've got math and science that have uh, made the leap into the more classical model. Um, and the, the biggest uh, change really is that uh, last year, talking with uh, Principal Michelle Volman and parish staff, of course you were you're there, and we had discussed some time ago, Michelle and I, about we really, boy, wouldn't it be great if we could have mass with the school, you know, nearly every day, if we just started every day in church. Hmm. And uh, we looked at what that would look like. We discussed it with a lot of discussion about it. And, you know, officially on Monday, this past Monday, we embraced a brand new schedule, moving our daily mass to uh, 8 a.m. It was 8, 8, 8.30. And uh, so Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, the students, the whole school comes to mass. Now, this is, we are the only, St. Michael will be the only parish to offer daily mass for the school of the entire diocese. Is that right? Yes. I think, uh, yeah, really the way to look at it is that it's really the only uh, parish where the school is attending mass because it's not a school mass per se. We always had school mass at least once a week uh, last year, which was Thursday, and then on special feasts they would come. And um, but you know this year it's basically they're they're coming to the church like a like a family would come. You know, just a massive family. It's all our school, and so the other days of the week it's they're attending the parish mass. I mean, so it's not necessarily the school mass that we would know on Thursday. On Thursdays, the, the school community, you know, serve as lectors and servers and, um, you know, the choir's there. So that's a different, that's, that's the same, that experience. But the other days of the week, they're, they're, they're there. And so this year, we've divided the school up into four households, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And so that, that takes the children from the entire school and siblings are put in the same household. So if you know you're an older brother and you got three younger siblings, well, you're going to be all in the same household. Let's say John, you know, and then maybe Mark has another family, and it includes the the parents. It's really the whole family is in a household, so the whole family can come to mass too if they want with their kids. And they'll be sitting and I think with, they their, can with sit their kids. With, that's okay. what I understand. They have their sections in the church that are reserved for these households. They have lead teachers that are over the household. Uh, each household is responsible for different activities. You know, uh, one household of Luke was in charge of the back-to-school picnic uh, primarily. I know some homeschool families were volunteering as well, assisting and setting that up. But, yeah, it's, uh, it's a way to delegate um, volunteer and, uh, engagement. Instead of just always trying to run down parents for volunteering, it's just sort of, well, this household's in charge of this next event, and they just know that. So... Everybody doesn't have to question what, the, what who's in charge of something. Like this household will do this event. Um, and so, and as we changed the mass schedule to accommodate the school, and we extended the school day by 15 minutes, but the thought here really is, is that it's the first class of the day with Jesus. 
the, the supreme teacher. He's our Lord, our Savior, and the teacher, Christ the teacher, rabbi, right? means teacher. Um, so he is the teacher. He gets the first class every day. So Wednesday mornings is a rosary because we have an evening mass on Wednesday, so that stays the same. But the idea is to invite families to bring their children maybe back to church that night if the parents are home from work to come to Mass together during the week as a whole family. That might be more possible for them at the evening hour. Um, you know, so we'll see. But that's a chance for every kid to go five days a week. You know, the Wednesday night would be just more of it's the family going. Wednesday mornings they'll go to the ch- they'll be in church at 8 o'clock for the rosary. So they'll be in the church uh, with Christ every day at 8. It'll always, it'll mostly be for Mass. But. Uh, my, I guess my question is that when to do mass daily for the school and for the, for the parish family but that the school children would be there what inspired it um when when did you start having these thoughts and, and take us to the process about why this should be happening yes um i don't know i just i it it just seemed to be as we transitioned in our school to a classical liberal arts education um and the whole point is to you know, develop the children in their wonder, their awe, to expose them to the truth, the good, and the beautiful, which is God, Jesus Christ. And the truth, the good, and the beautiful is always in, in supremely seen and experienced in Mass. You know, and so I think that uh, just seeing the, in the, when we had First Friday devotions at last year, the school is always coming to First Friday. So the days where you saw them come on Thursday, but then the very next day on Friday, it was just a little bit of a different experience. You just sort of enjoyed the continuity. It just seemed a little bit less disruptive to the school community. You know, it's, instead of it being just a big event every week to get the whole community over here once a week, you know, it's, it just sort of, I just think it's grown that way. I think Michelle and I just would talk about it. She wanted them to come to Mass more, even last year, and she would schedule different days where they would come to Mass on feast days. And um, <clears throat> I don't know, it just sort of evolved into us really desiring, you know, wouldn't it be great if we could just, if they could come every day, you know? And I just didn't know how to do that with only one priest here that, I, that really can serve uh, the daily Mass schedule is, is me. And so it was like, well, I mean, I, how can we make it work? And so I have a priest who's going to help me on Tuesday, which is my day away usually from the parish. So, so most Tuesday mornings it can be covered. But um, if not, I'm, I'm happy to do that. I, I just sense that it gave greater continuity to add the Mass on Tuesday mornings. So and they have Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, morning Mass at 8. And um, <clears throat> tomorrow is our first go at it. So there'll be... 200 extra people on average at every daily mass in the morning which is you know it's just amazing to, to, to realize that there'll be hundreds of people at daily mass instead of our usual strong crowd of about 50 or 60 mm-hmm. you know um, but but it'll be like a sunday mass every day when it comes to attendance in yeah. some sense yeah we so we're working on the logistics of that because we do we are obviously mindful of the school schedule you know so we, we do have to be a little bit mindful of making sure that, um, you know, we can uh, make things run smoothly with the Mass so that they can uh, participate and then return to school in a timely fashion. So today was what uh, Michelle, our principal, has called Mass Boot Camp. So we started, all the kids came into school today. We took them down. They got in their household groups and sat in their pews and 
Just explain the importance of reverence, body posture, folding your hands, how to genuflect, how to make the sign of the cross, uh, why we're here, you know, what Mass is all about. Just going back to the fundamentals, you know, and um, then they prayed a whole rosary. You know, I, I was with them the whole time. They, and so right out of the gates, like, and we pray the rosary now. So, you know, it was a lot. It was about an hour they were <laughs> they were in there, and I said, I know it was, a, it was a long morning, but look, you, you all did it, and they did great. They were quiet, reverent, trying to be attentive, and... Um, and I just think it set the tone for the first day of school right away. The kids went back to their classrooms after having been with our Lord and our and Our Lady praying the rosary. Around 9.15, they got up to the rooms, and everything just seemed much more peaceful after that. Yeah, I was... Uh... <clears throat> I know one one other person other than, of course, the Lord and the Blessed Mother would be uh, St. John Bosco would be applauding you in this. Uh, right. I, I did some a uh, little bit of research on him, and, and he was the first priest who instituted daily mass at the boarding school that uh, he served years ago. Of course, we're not boarding school, but, you know, this is something, as we know, uh, the mass is the source and the summit. Everything comes there. And I think your your observation that it's the first class of the day is is a spectacular one because that's really what we're all about right. and informing. But you didn't just offer the Mass. Now you're also offering daily confessions right. and adoration. Right. Uh, take us into the thought process there and how that evolved and, and what inspired you to do this. Well, I, I, it just it went into the reality of, okay, we're adding a Mass on Tuesday mornings so that we can give some consistency to nearly every day having morning Mass uh, daily. And then... Um, I've already got confessions during the week, uh, and I it just and I've been very busy, and it's fine. You know, um, you want to have a lot of people for confession, and I do. I mean, my <laughs> confession times are very robust as far as you know participation. Uh, but it, I just when I was at Sacred Heart in Salisbury, I knew that we had added some years ago confessions right after daily mass, just every day except Sunday, but Monday through Saturday, if there's a daily mass, Father's going to be in the box right after mass, just known. It's not complicated, just it'll be right after Mass. I mean, there's times, but, um, and, you know, that seemed to get, flow well. And so now adding the confessions after every daily Mass, now Monday through Saturday is what happens. So after daily Mass, I go to the confessional, and is everyone in line? Okay. Uh, so that's been very good. I know the people have been happy about it. The church has been asking, you know, and I don't think she ever stops asking for priests to be more generous with hearing confessions, mm -hmm. you know, and so... I really was convicted on the Feast of St. John Vianney on August 4th. I started thinking about it, and I was a little nervous about, you know, because, again, I'm trying to live a, a balanced life on some level, I guess, too. And, you know, um, so, you know I want to I, I be generous, but I don't want to burn out either. Right. So I'm trying to be aware of that. But, but the Lord supplies the grace and the strength to do these kind of things. I just felt John Vianney just kind of staring at me in the confessional. I spent 16 hours a day <laughs> in the confessional. <laughs> you know, and I was like, I'm adding like, you know, maybe 35 minutes or 40, whatever it's going to be mm -hmm. every day. So um, uh, it, just, it just seemed natural to say, yes, just make it, just, just make it all available every day, which will make it more regular, which I think will help lighten the load on the families that are trying to go weekly, but... It just, it, I, you just have to make it easier for the faithful to get there. And I think it's just after Mass makes sense. It's just available. So I even have it I have Wednesday nights. So there's times for and Saturday morning uh, after Mass. So there's seems to be a lot of windows for people's different walks of life to be able to get here, you know. And um, 
I think when it's just if people just know every day it's available and it's not like well is there confessions today yes or no it's like the answer is yes yeah. you know it's unless it's Sunday but yes and then, it's good for me I've enjoyed it I kind of I like just sort of the regularity with just knowing that they're I'm taking care of the people in that way every day mm-hmm. fine with me and I mean, I'm a priest. What am I supposed to do? I mean, the only one who can do this is me. That's right. So I keep asking, I keep, I remind myself that, well, the only one who can hear the confessions is you, the priest. I mean, a priest, obviously. I can have priests, and they do help me on when I'm away. But, you know, this is part of my fatherhood. I have to, I'm, have, I'm the confessor. Yes. So, uh, and then adoration, the Blessed Sacrament was added in the mornings, um, 6.45 to 7.45. Because I enjoy adoration. I love it. And, a parishioner just asked, said, you know, Father, you're usually here in the morning early for your holy hour, which I've been doing for quite some time, um, in the church, in the main church. I used to have a little chapel directory, and now I just, I keep, I just do everything. I pray in front of our Lord here in the parish. That's been really good. Um, but yeah, it was sort of just, well, why don't you just have exposition, you know? I said, well, I don't know. I suppose that's a good idea. So we started to do that on Sunday mornings, 645 for about 30 minutes before the morning mass on Sunday. And that's been, that was the, so wonderful. Just having that 30 minutes on Sunday morning to be with our Lord in adoration, it helps me spiritually just prepare. Uh, and I don't know, it's just, I'm never getting rid of that. So I, I was almost just, I want it. So if anybody else wants to join me, fine, but <laughs> I'm going to do this. So now it's just sort of a natural progression that, well, 645, why not do it? Uh, Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday. We've already have adoration on Wednesday, but it's in the evening before the evening mass. So it just connects to the mass. I think that's what. The, and talking it out with you, it's just we have the mass, we'll have adoration before, and confessions afterwards. Mm-hmm. And that's what we're doing every day. So it, it just makes sense to just have this bouquet. You spend time with our Lord in adoration to get you ready for mass, and then you know, after mass, if you need to go to confession, go. And that's not, and we have something else coming up that we're really going to start emphasizing, and maybe you can speak a little bit about that. And starting in September, but first Saturdays, we've been doing first Fridays. Mm-hmm. Um, but as people come to the parish, they're going to start seeing these little cards around uh, the, the parish. That's really promoting the first Saturday. So that's the next step in this progression that we're seeing happening here at, at St. Michael. All, all this vitality right. that's beginning to emerge. Um, Maybe spend a couple of minutes talking about like there's first Saturday, but then there's first Saturday, right? And and what we're going to do is is exactly um, the the steps that the Blessed Mother had given um, to the the three children, yes. the three saints. Yeah, yes. spend spend a little bit of time speaking about that as well because that's exciting. Yes. Well, last year the school decided to do the first Friday devotion, and the you know, divine approval of that was seen when you look at the school year last year from September, which started September for the first Friday. Every month until June, the last month of the year for the school year, every first Friday was a school day. And it was, it fit exactly within the nine months of the school year. We never missed a first Friday ever. Mm. So everyone did the nine consecutive first Fridays, devotions to Sacred Heart. And connected to that, of course, is the first Saturday, which came from Our Lady of Fatima, which came later. Um, I think it was in 1920s, late 1920s. She appeared again to Sister Lucia, who was in the convent at that point, and Francisco and Jacinta, the other two children, had passed away from the flu uh, pandemic. But Our Lady was asking for um, devotion on first Saturdays to, you know, to confess one's sins uh, on first Saturday in reparation 
against sins committed against the Immaculate Heart, which is what First Saturday is geared towards. It's basically repairing spiritually damage caused to our Our Lady's heart by blasphemies and and horrible things and infidelities of the faithful. So you have the confession on First Saturday, which I'm I've learned that you may make that twenty days before, twenty days after, up to. I mean, the point is you must be in the state, state of, of grace, grace. Yes. on First Saturday, so you can go to communion. So you go to confession. Go to communion in reparation against sins committed, um, reparation for sins committed against the Immaculate Mary. Then pray the rosary in reparation for sins committed against the Immaculate Mary. Uh, spend, this is separate from the rosary. Spend 15 minutes in meditation, as she said, 15 minutes keeping me company, which is a lovely way to be with Mary. Just 15 minutes meditating on a few of the mysteries of the rosary. And then finally, praying for the intentions of the Holy Father, uh, praying for the Pope. So those are the five practices, all of them with the same intention. Uh, and that's important that one knows I'm doing these in, for the intention of making reparation f- uh, for sins committed against Matt Hart of Our Lady. So what we're gearing up for at St. Michael is a communal celebration of First Saturday devotion, meaning that if you come to St. Michael Parish on a First Saturday of the month, we will have the rosary together. As Mary will, instructed. Yep. We will have the mass where one can receive communion. We will have a 15-minute meditation directly after mass communally, which I will lead until, you know, this gets people get used to it. Uh, and then there will be confessions available after mass, you know. Um, again, not that everyone has to go that day. They don't have to go on the day of, and Mary made that clear that one can go, you know, days before or after. Um, it just is a matter of being in the state of grace, you know. Um, so even if you're even if you're in the state of grace, it's still a confession, a venial sin, still to go to the sacrament of reconciliation in reparation for sins committed against the Mac heart of Mary. So that's for Saturday, and it's really just winning, you know, trying to allow Our Lady to win our hearts over. And all these major devotions of the Church have the same goal. Be close to Christ and do the sacraments. Mm-hmm. They all ask basically for the same thing. Eventually, go to confession, receive Holy Communion. That's first, you know, uh, first Friday is basically receive Holy Communion reparation. You know, of course, go to confession if you're not in the state of grace. So it's all about getting people to come to Mass, receive Communion, you know, go to confession, pray. Right. You know, it's all, it's to build new habits, and that's what the Mother of God is doing. With the five Saturdays, is five first Saturdays is, well, hopefully by the fifth one you don't stop. I mean, that's sure. just kind of the idea. It's like, what do you do after you commit the five? And, and I, then do another five. And I think that's that's something that I always try to emphasize. You know, some of our, our non-Catholic brothers and sisters that will say, well, you know, we, we believe in having a, a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Well, so do Catholics. But we don't believe you can have one apart from the sacraments. Mm -hmm. That's where we encounter him, uh, is materially and substantially in the sacraments. And that's why all of this matters. Adoration, Mass, Confession, First Saturdays, you know, First Fridays. This is how we encounter our Lord and cultivate the personal relationship with him. Yep, exactly. So... Uh, it is, as you said, a revolution here at the parish. Yes, uh, it is. With, with I mean, think about where we were two, where the parish was two years ago during COVID, and now where oh, we're seeing yeah. the Lord's the Spirit take right. take it now. It's yes. got to be rewarding for you as the father of the parish. It is. It's beautiful just to, to be in the church today, seeing all the school there, and just knowing, looking at all of them in the pews, and seeing this massive school community, just realizing this is the new normal. 
like seeing these young people, seeing this whole school here every day is the new normal. They're going to be here every day, eight o'clock, boom. Right. I mean, what we're doing is we're carving, carving out a truly, a deeper Catholic identity. Yes. Which I think relates to the homily that you preached a couple of days ago, you know, on Sunday, where Jesus had some pretty intense words about how he came to to set a fire on the earth. Right. I came to divide, you know, mothers and fathers and mothers and daughters and fathers and sons. And how you talked about just our identity as Catholics is going to create division mm-hmm. and opposition, but it's what we're called to do. Right. Yes, I mean, our Lord, you know, as I said, it's a fire that divides. I mean, he he doesn't come wanting to create family conflict, you know, but that it's going, what he wants is the fire of devotion to him. You know, he wants, he wants people to be on fire for him, which will cause division and opposition for you and your own family. And as our Lord said, I came to, do you think I came, he says, do you think I came to bring peace? No, I tell you, not peace, but rather division. From now on, a household of two will, or household of five will be divided: three against two, two against three. You know, father against his son, son against his father, mother against her daughter, daughter against mother, mother-in-law against her daughter-in-law, and so on. And that's it. That's the end of the passage. And so I think you know, on Sunday, you sort of think, "Gosh, is Jesus being mean?" I mean, what is this? Doesn't sound like the Jesus I know, or that I maybe has preached in other. Right. Christian communities, and it's like that's right. Yeah, no, it is not because this is this is really him. He's saying to you, if you follow me, your home will be divided. Because You'll be divided against your parents, spouses will be divided, siblings will be divided. If we live our faith faithfully, and I was thinking later on, I said if we really lived our faith, I mean, in the sense of if we were just we had all the courage of the saints, you know, most of our family would have anything to do with us. That's right. Our the workplace. We'd never get hired anywhere. We would be so odious, you mm-hmm. know, to everyone. It's like get these Christians out and kill them, you know. Get, I mean, that's exactly what happened in Roman times. That if you know, the more faithful we become, you know, it's like the less uh, smooth your life will be. I mean, yeah, you're going to face it in the workplace. You know, um, you'll be ridiculed and you won't be invited to, you know, family events now because you're just you're just Catholic, you know, and we don't like that, you know, and you're. You're messing up our worldview, or you're you're getting in the way of the ideologies we're embracing that are all gravely sinful. Everything that our society elevates, you know, as praiseworthy, is all grave sin or rooted in grave immorality, you know. And so, uh, when we live that, when we live the faith in Christ in the church, there will be opposition. Well, it's like uh, Soren Kierkegaard was a Dutch Swiss. Uh, theologian, and he had this analogy. He says that, you know, when we look around the world as, as Christian people and what people are, are really invested in and what they should be invested in, it's as if somebody went into a store and switched all the price tags. So the things that have no value are suddenly expensive and the things that are truly valuable are cheap. Yeah. And and that's kind of what we, we, we've done. But yet Jesus Christ himself has said, look, it, this is normal. Right. Yeah. If, if you're going to follow me, then division is going to be normal. It's not you necessarily trying to create the division. It's just that you're going to align yourself with the truth. And once you do that, you are cutting yourself off from all falsehood and all beliefs. And I find that um, what we find today, at least in our secular culture, more secular culture, is a very soft Unitarianism. 
that just slowly works its way in. One of my professors, Stanley Harawas, says that we just live in a time that says you shall have no strong convictions except for the strong conviction that you shall not have strong convictions. <laughs> in other, or what you said on, on Sunday, let's just go along to get along. Right. Let's not cr- create a stir. That's not what Jesus was talking exactly. about. Exactly. Um, I mean, but that Jesus, is the, that's the Christianity that most of us, em- you know, we want to embrace that because it's just easier. I mean, it's just easier to be someone who doesn't rock the boat, who's not that guy, that gal in the family that, you know, uh, shows up at Thanksgiving. And it's like, oh, boy, here they come, right? You know, and, right. and we just we would prefer not to have that kind of conflict, especially in our families, you know, um, People are rejected from their families, disowned when they convert, you know, or um, relationships fall apart, you know, even in marriages, marriages are strained, you know, and uh, if somebody's not, you know, wanting to be on board with Christ and his church and the gospel and they're married and then one does, then you got, you got friction there, you know, it's like, I don't want to have this opposition. So and that's why you just see so many, you know, Catholics, you know, leave the church and go somewhere else or the Catholic party marries a non-Catholic, and then later that Catholic leaves the church and goes with the uh, with the non-Catholic. Why? Because it's always just easier, mm-hmm. you know. Because the church they're joining can't be any more demanding than than the fullness of the gospel of Jesus Christ, which is in the proclamation in the Catholic Church in the faith. Like everything that He has called us to live is is upheld and affirmed by the Catholic Church. You know, I mean, there's there's. You know, the differences in Christianity and morality is is just, you know, the approval of you know is abortion a sin or not? Yes or no? Is contraception a sin or not? You know, can you have same-sex unions? Yes or no? You know, can you uh, f- uh, flip a gender? Right. And is that okay too? You know, is this um, and all? You know, this is just not. This is the the faith we proclaim is is against all of what the culture elevates as normal, good, healthy. You know, none of it is, none of it is in the foundation of what our Lord has planned for hu- humanity, for marriage, for family. It's everything that's that's evil in the sense that it's tearing apart. You know, marriage, family, the human identity, what it means to be, what it even means to be a human person is now under fire. It's not so we're not even fighting just about what marriage is. It's like, okay, what does it mean to be a human person? Well, gender now is seen as something accidental, like hair color, eye color. You know, change your hair, change your gender. You know, and the denial of the very fabric of of the human person's biology. Like, we have DNA. It's very clear, you know, who we are. Male or female, God created them. Yes. You know, to be in his image. And that's the, uh, the, the search for an identity. And I sympathize with people who are lost and they, you know, they want to find, quote, themselves. But if you look for your, if you look for an identity apart from Christ, you will always be disappointed because He reveals us. Yes, He so, reveals humanity to humanity. Yeah, and that's what and we're that, supposed that to be. Is, um, you know, I think Saint John Paul II's famous line from his one of his first encyclicals. You know, Jesus Christ reveals reveals man to himself. He reveals, you know, man and woman know who they are in God only, because He's our Creator. He's the source of our life. Well, even even the the proclamation that Christ is the way, the truth, and the life is divisive. Right, you know that uh, there has to be many other roads, but the Catholic Church is teaching that all salvation is through Him. Right, it's through a relationship with Him. That I mean, just the foundational message of the gospel yeah. is divisive. And how do I want to have a relationship with Him through the Church? Yes, and through the sacraments. Right, He established the Church 
in the sacristy. I was talking, was that, I don't know if it was you, but someone was ta- I was talking to you about just that, you know, there's a, uh, oh yeah, I know who it was now. But anyway, that uh, a thought of Christians that, you know, get away from this, this movement for being non-denominational. You just, I'm a Christian, let, don't use titles, you know, just Christianity. But that, you know, the Catholic Church, really any kind of church as such, got it wrong, drifted away from Christ's mission and the Gospels. And, you know, what he set up was, was fine, but then somewhere it derailed. But, you know, if I sit with that long enough, I think, well, then that means Jesus failed. Mm-hmm. Okay, because that means that, means that that, you know, if we screwed up what he put in place, then then the church, then his whole mission to have, a, he came to establish ecclesia, which is a called out community. It's not just, he right. said, build these churches with these domes and bells and have all, I mean, you know, he didn't, not necessarily like that, but he came, a, a foundation of people, Yes, you know, call, and yes, the the way we worship is still rooted in scripture too with the Old Testament, the way in which you know, there was altars and tabernacle, and there was there was physical structures that were meant to be where the ecclesia, the called out, the called forth people are to gather publicly for worship as a community, you know. Um, so Jesus, you know, the desire now is to love Christ and serve him, but cut out anything that means church or, quote, a, a denomination. It's just me and Christ, and isn't that enough? So, well... He founded a community mm-hmm. of followers, and you know, um, and they they in the Acts of the Apostles, you see everything unfolding that this was happening. You know, yeah, I, I know there was a, a a Jewish well, there was a rabbi who once said that the greatest threat to biblical faith is never persecution. That's to be expected, mm-hmm. but the greatest threat to the identity of Jews and, and Christians is assimilation, not yeah. persecution. Right. Once, once the people of God begin to assimilate to the reigning culture, all bets are off at that point. And that people should really look at Christians, Catholics, the way the ancient uh, pagan civilization looked at the Jews. By which I mean they're a little different. Yeah. They're a little strange. Yeah. They don't quite fit in here. They do some funny things that we don't quite understand. Yeah. You know, they, they, they worship. They keep a Sabbath. They serve the poor. They eat... <laughs> and drink flesh and blood. I mean, that kind of peculiar identity, because even in the New Testament, you have even uh, the letters of Peter and Paul, we're described as strangers, pilgrims, aliens, yeah. sojourners, well, wayfarers. We said, we said That's, we're not at home Christian here. Christian was wasn't a title of, of um, endearment. Christian, right? Wasn't oh, that, right. That yeah, was that, a pejorative. Yeah. So it was like a, a, neg- a negative connotation where Christian came from. wasn't a compliment. Right. I mean, you know, those Christ people or whatever, you know, um, not yeah. not an endearing thing. So right. But we're not called to be oppositional. Right. We're not called to be, argue, you know, argumentative. Or antagonistic. Or antagonistic. Yeah. That's a better word. And that but it's be by the nature of our, our love sure. for the Lord that it's going to make it this way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think all of us have found ourselves in a very uncomfortable situation where we're called to uh, express the truth right. of our faith. In a room uh, of of people who do not share our convictions right. in any way, but isn't that where the power of witness comes from? Though, is that when we're able to articulate the truth clearly, and what we believe about Jesus, that the Holy Spirit really—I mean, it may be explosive on the one hand, but it can also create something new that wasn't there. Right. We just don't know what our witness is going to do. 
But I, it does, it should encourage us, the words, I mean, no one wants the division and opposition in their family. And it's like, oh, I enjoy being the outcast. But <laughs> I think that what Jesus is saying is when you experience this and see this, you're following me. Right. I mean, one should feel in a strange way encouraged and in, in, I don't know if affirm is the right word, but just there's some weird consolation of, okay, my family is pretty much against me and I've kind of thrown myself out of my social groups by being faithful to, to the Lord and the church, but okay, this is exactly what Jesus said would happen. So I should know that he's with me in this whole thing, this whole opposition that um, I'm sharing that with him. He's sharing this with me and that, yeah, well, that's because your new family right now is the, is the church. Mm-hmm. You know, and the, your new family is the Catholic Church, your parish. It's like, no, you're, you're, you're welcome here. This is, this is where you belong. Yeah. Literally, you know, literally through baptism, like this is your family. Yes. And the Lord says, I call my brother, sister, mother, anyone who does the will of the Father. Here's the word, you know, I'm paraphrasing, but uh, knows the, the word and follows the will of God. You know, like, that's my mother here's the brother word of God and sister. And keeps yeah, it. that's what yeah. Jesus said. So, so water is thicker than blood in the church. The water of baptism. Yeah. <laughs> it is thicker than blood. So what what I see you doing then here with this new schedule, with uh, the availability of the sacraments, you are carving out a truly Catholic um, community. I mean, to be boldly Catholic um, so that we can cultivate a, a deeper relationship with Jesus so that we can live the truth that we profess. You know, I think it was Cardinal Ratzinger at the time, Pope Benedict XVI, he says that every time we stand and say the Nicene Creed, we are setting ourselves apart from all allegiance to any other powers, any other ideas or ideologies of the yeah. world, that we're saying no uh, so that we can say yes uh, to God the Father, Son, and Holy yeah. Spirit. And, and I see you trying to do that here with this new schedule. And we should talk about the Sabbath one day later on. About, yes. You know, I think that's that's the key thing that we... Really, Israel lost its identity foundational moment when they lost their identity. Is the people of God is when they lost the Sabbath. When yes. they stopped. When they assimilated. Yep. So that, I think, is for another podcast. <laughs> we'll save that for another time, but that's so, so critical. Well, thank you, Father, for your time. Yes. Um, I'm just so excited about what's happening here. Uh, you know, we've got faith formation beginning. RCIA is going to be beginning soon. Uh, we've got some Bible studies that we're going to be uh, promoting here in the next couple of weeks. Um, Donuts and Dogma are going to be doing a series on chastity and theology of the body. And that's been you know, that's been well received outside the parish too. I, some people, someone from Charlotte, was just saying how wonderful that we've yes. got this series available. We're going to be having um, people who have clinical uh, uh, clinical uh, uh, psychology training that are going to be involved. Correct and. Yes, so it's going to be a great series in, in September. Yeah, and we've got the the youth. We have a, a great crop of new uh, youth leaders uh, coming. Yes. I just heard before our podcast from a couple who uh, heard about my conversion. They want to know more about what it means to become Catholic. So just so many great things are happening, and it couldn't happen without you. And it couldn't happen without you and the support of the parish. And so we're really encouraging all of us to really celebrate what God is doing. But let's, uh, let's gird our loins. Yes. Um, and let's roll up our sleeves and get to work and fulfill the mission of the church is what yes. we're called to be Amen. and be Catholic, be boldly Catholic uh, in all of that. So thank you everyone for listening and thank you for watching. If you'd like for more information about our parish, please visit our website at stmccg.org. Father, thank you. Thanks, I'm Shane. Shane Page. We'll see you next time. God bless. God bless.